Thank you, musicians. I believe some of you had to come off the bench because of the flu that's going around. So thank you for excellent work and leading us in that way. Shall we just come to the Lord in prayer? Our Father, we do come before your majesty right now. We ask that you would quieten our hearts, make them attentive to your precious word by your spirit. May I decrease and you increase, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, my dear brother, uh, Dave Mitchell and I often share stories about Eastern Cape boarding school experiences. And at my boarding school in Grahamstown, he was in King Williamstown down the road, uh, we had a housemaster whom we loved and respected deeply. His name was Ken Douglas. He later became headmaster of the school. He was a big man, Oxford Blue scholar and athlete, as well as a decorated officer in the Second World War, where he had been shot uh, in the arm and had a plate inserted. So he, his arm was permanently kind of uh, crooked like this. And, uh, of course, as horrible boys, we often mimicked that. And every Sunday evening uh, when we had a house meeting after church, uh, Ken Douglas would, with a big and booming voice, say the same thing in every house meeting every Sunday. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Any problems, anxieties? And... Um, so we, of course, as horrid little boys, used to, as he walked down the passage, we would be mumbling, anxieties, anxieties, anxieties. So I want to ask you this evening, any of you have anxieties? What's your worry this evening? You may well reply, worry? You mean worries. And there certainly is enough going on in the world today, isn't there, to trigger worry and anxiety in all of us. COVID, Ukraine war that's impacting the price of fuel and food and a whole lot of other stuff we probably don't even realize yet. We do have members even among us in our congregation whose businesses are directly affected. Floods, load shedding, water and electricity issues, high crime rates, struggling economy. All of us face these issues. Then there's your issues, your own personal struggles in your own personal life. Be it at work, be it with health, be it with finances, be it with relationships, grieving the loss of a loved one. Small wonder our own preaching pastor in humble vulnerability shared his struggle with anxiety from, with us from this pulpit. And I too can confess wrestles in the quiet and dark hours of the night. And small wonder that Americans consume, wait for it, 30 tons per day 
of anti-anxiety medication. 30 tons. The Center for Disease Control reported in 2018, that's before COVID, 71% of adults had at least one symptom of workplace stress, such as headaches or feeling overwhelmed or anxious. So there's nothing new under the sun, really, because the Apostle Paul, even though he didn't have a TV <clears throat> or a cell phone or an inbox, on his missionary journeys, he could, he could pray with no uh, triggers for anxiety arriving in his, uh, on his devices. And yet he still said, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And I heard a pastor preaching on this verse and saying, he doesn't understand. I have so much anxiety about just my church. Paul had the Romans, the Corinthians, the Colossians, the Thessalonians, uh, the Ephesians. Uh, it must have been overwhelming. So Paul certainly did not believe in Hakuna Matata. Don't worry. Be happy. Chill, bro. Anxiety is real. And David wrote many psalms in the dark hours on his bed. Psalm 38, 8. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult in my heart. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Psalm 94, 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. So before we move on uh, to look a little bit more into this issue of anxiety, let's just understand what the Greek word means when the word is used, worry, care, or anxiety in the New Testament. The Greek word is merimnao, and it basically means to be, let me see, there should be a slide. Oh, it helps to turn this on, I think. There we go. It means to be distracted, to be divided into parts, to go to pieces because pulled apart in different directions. Isn't that a good description? I'm sure you've all been there. You've felt this pulling apart, this division, this confusion, this distraction that comes with anxiety. And there are two passages that are well known for dealing with this issue in our lives from God's word. Jesus spoke extensively in Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. And Paul built on that in Philippians 4, verses 6 to 9. I'm not going to read those passages. They're quite extensive, and I think you know them quite well. But if you want to have your fingers in both of those, Matthew 6, 25, Philippians 4, verse 6, uh, we will be just 
extracting some key issues around dealing with this serious matter of anxiety in your life and mine. We are going to look at this. We're going to pull three P's out of the process. The first one is particularize. Uh, I had to look that up. <laughs> I couldn't find a P because the other two were P's. Uh, so I just put list in and asked uh, the computer to find similes or, and, and uh, this one came up and I was very pleased. So particularize God's presence and prayer. Sorry, and pray, pray. These three P's are what we're going to look at God willing this evening. So firstly, particularize. What do we mean by this? How does the passage talk to us in this regard? Well, we're talking here about listing our anxieties and worries in order to bring some order, clarity, and direction because of the distraction and confusion that anxiety actually is. Because it is that hollow feeling of pain and confusion and being divided and pulled in different directions, uh, we are wanting to bring some order to that. And so the late great biblical counselor, David Paulinson recommends that the first thing you should do when this, when you encounter this worry and anxiety in your soul is to sit and write down and list the actual issues. If we look at our passage, it does that in Matthew uh, 6. We read of the specific issues of decay and rust and moth a fallen world which is against us. And you are facing many issues in this fallen world. Then there are thieves that break in and steal. So fallen people hurting us. Then there's the fear of the future and finances. Will I be able to afford food and clothing? The passage particularizes the issues that cause anxiety. In the Philippians passage, it opens with Paul mentioning a conflict between two key people in the church, Yodia and Syntyche. When Peter talks of casting anxieties on God because God cares, the context is elders facing issues shepherding the flock of God. So, Here's the recommendation, the practical suggestion that the first thing that you need to do in the middle of your confusion and anxiety, whatever the cause, is to just take some time and list it, even write it down on a piece of paper. And then another great biblical counselor, Paul Tripp, suggests that when you have such a list like this, you then need to ask yourself the question, is this issue which you've got written there a concern or a responsibility? Now, what's this about? 
Well, our passage in Matthew 6, 27 says, and which of you, Jesus says, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Our Lord is asking here the question, is worrying and fretting and losing sleep going to change anything? For example, will obsessing about a regret in your past, whatever it may be, will obsessing about it and feeling the regret and pain of it go back and undo it? Will it change it? No, you can't change the past. It's done. You see, anxiety is often a control issue. You are torn in different directions because you're thinking you can change what you actually can't change. You're not going to add to your life by this fretting. And yet you fret about not being able to change it and may even try to change it. For example, here are some issues that are more likely concerns and not responsibilities. <clears throat> Can you change the behavior of your adult child that is no longer in your home? Can you even change the hearts of the children or child that is still in your home? You may be a channel, you may share messengers, you can't change the heart of anyone. Only God can do that. Can you change the interest rates and the impact of the war in Ukraine? How much can you change what people think of you? Fear of man can become a snare. Can you change the reality of aging? I'm looking around at some balding heads and gray heads. Uh, I can see Henny there, who's not even gray yet. This is, uh, I don't know what your secret is, Henny. <laughs> um, we can't change this process. Many people try. Uh, you know, the fact that you can no longer do the things you used to do is just a reality that can't be changed. Don't worry about it. So what do we do with these concerns? Concerns, that is, that we can't change fundamentally. Well, we'll focus on that a little bit later when we come to the other P's, but the bottom line is don't dwell on your concerns. Leave these to God whom you can trust. So what then about responsibilities? There may be on your list things like a broken relationship, a sin or temptation that's plaguing you, your weight, that needy person in your home group, the garden that's overgrown with weeds, that leaking tap, that worry about an exam that you've got to write, the lack of regular quiet times or attendance at church and home groups. Now these are responsibilities and you can do something about them, can't you? With guidance from God's word, 
counsel from others, enabling of the Holy Spirit. You can set yourself goals and make plans to obey and deal with these particular issues that you've now listed, in order of priority even. We, however, tend to get things mixed up, don't we? We dwell and fixate and get into analysis paralysis on concerns. And we avoid the responsibilities where we should be focusing and doing stuff according to God's will. So do yourself a favor. Go home this evening and particularize your worries. And decide if they are concerns or responsibilities. So let's move to the next P. Presence. The presence of God. Once we've got in our mind a reasonably clear picture of what the issues are, the question to ask is, where is God in my worries? In Matthew 6, 26, uh, the worries are listed, and, yet, and then Jesus says, yet your heavenly Father. You see, God is introduced into the picture, isn't he? And then it goes on to say, are you not of more value than birds and grass and flowers in the field? So this God is your heavenly father and he's not forgotten you in what you're facing. He values you enough to have sent his son, precious son, to suffer and die for your sin. God is in the middle of your worries. He cares. And he's in charge. Look at verse 30, chapter 6, Matthew. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, this is nature over which he has full control, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God is powerful and sovereign. And he knows what you're facing. He's running the show and he's got it. If he feeds birds and looks after flowers and grass in nature, surely you can trust him to look after you in this circumstance. And then verse 32 of Matthew 6. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. He knows what you need. That's what Jesus is saying. God understands you personally. He's been through much worse than you in Jesus, his son. And Isaiah, in fact, tells us surely he has actually been Born our griefs and carried our sorrows. He's been there. Your particular griefs and sorrows. He is not on the outside looking in. He's in there with you in the midst of your anxiety. He knows. Isn't that amazing? 
You must tell yourself this truth in the midst of being torn apart by anxieties. Our Philippians passage repeats similar thoughts. Um, the whole issue of being anxious for nothing is started in Philippians 4 verse 5 with, with the apostle saying, The Lord is near. We often jump straight to be anxious for nothing, brother. We throw law at people. The, the very verse before it says, the Lord is near. That's why you don't need to be anxious. He's in there with you. And in chapter Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart from this distraction. And your minds in Christ Jesus. And it's not just peace that will drop into your heart. It's God himself. Verse 9 of that passage says, And the God of peace will be with you. He will be with you. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Do you lean on that? So, oh, I should have switched that off, sorry. So who is most prevalent in your thoughts and struggles and anxious wandering around in your mind? Is it the trial itself like a big monster that's number one? Or is it yourself? Me, 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 poor me. <laughs> Why me, me, me? Or is it the God of the universe who is near you, who cares for you, who knows you, who's growing you, who loves you. So take time off from pondering on your worries and the issues that trigger them. Tell yourself the truth about who God is, how he's with you, and how he understands you. Elizabeth Elliot, uh, I heard an illustration in a sermon Barbara was listening to the other day, and it was wonderful. Picture with me a little boy sitting with his father in a motor car, um, <clears throat> and they're about to drive for the first time ever in his little four-year-old life into a car wash. And he's all interested, and what's this? And it's something new, and he's got childlike interest and curiosity. But as they drive in, and the heavy noise of the spray. And those heavy rollers start banging against the car. What do we see in his face? That interest and it turns to fear and anxiety. And there, there's almost a bursting into tears. Until what? See his face. Relax. Maybe even a smile. Because he looks into his dad's face, who is calm, unworried, and comforting as he says, it's okay, my son, daddy's here, we are safe. Please look into the face of your father when you are anxious, the presence of God. Where is God? In your worry. <clears throat> and then the final P. Pray. 
pray. Once our minds have become aware of God in our worries, it would seem natural uh, that we would want to go to him in prayer. And our passage speaks to this. Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, I'm going to introduce a, a Peter passage here as well. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7, you probably know it. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And in Hebrews 4 verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Isn't that prayer? That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need and anxiety is certainly a time of need. Well, maybe it's not so natural that we go to God in prayer. Our enemy, the evil one, the devil, probably fights hardest to prevent us praying. He knows the power that's there. The flesh lusts against the spirit and we are so inclined to avoid prayer and we get busy with other stuff, don't we? So please make time. The pain of the anxiety should be like a spur in the side of a horse to cast you upon your God in your felt weakness, not to yourself and your own resources. Come to him with thanksgiving. To be alone in a dark room without God and just yourself and your own resources in the middle of anxiety, is an, it's a world of pain. It's an awful place to be, brothers and sisters, and I trust you are not there. Rather, go to God. And then go to him with thanksgiving. That's what the passage says. To change your perspective, which is most likely negative in the middle of anxiety. Think on the many blessings in the gospel, in the character of God, and in your life for which you can thank God. And then thank him. Begin praising him in the middle of your anxiety. That's what the passage says. This can lift us from the gloom and anxiety of negativity. And then in the process of communing with your father, what does it mean, as Peter exhorts us, to cast your anxieties on him? Well, the word cast there means quick and deliberate throwing away from yourself. The root Greek word is also used to describe uh, how Judas went into the temple and threw and cast the pieces of silver 
away from himself, never to touch it again, walked away. It's also used uh, for that verse that says, it's better for those who have led astray God's little children to be cast into the sea with the millstone. They're not coming back from there when you cast someone into the sea with the millstone. And so the sense of it is clearly one of throwing it away and leaving it there. And this is especially when it relates to your concerns, the stuff you can't really change. And where you have no responsibility to act, that must be cast upon God and left there, brothers and sisters. So often we pray and we lay things, we share our thoughts with the Lord and we go straight back to those same thoughts. And we analyze them and we toss them around and we chew on them and we agonize and we complain bitterly about water and electricity and load shedding and crime and the economy and weather and people who upset us, our pet moans. We haven't cast it on God. We're holding it to ourselves. It's not going to help. Trust God and leave it with him. But for the issues we can do something about with clear biblical responsibilities, cast those on God as well. Tell God about them. Tell them why you're concerned. Tell him why you're concerned. Plead for wisdom and grace to help in time of need. Grace and boldness to go to that person you've been avoiding and speak the truth in love to them. Grace to forgive someone that has hurt you badly. Grace to be more faithful in prayer and Bible reading. Grace to respond differently to that difficult boss at work or colleague. And so we have extracted, brothers and sisters, from the, three, from the main passages, um, the issue, the three Ps. What we've just covered, sorry. Pray with thanksgiving and casting those burdens on him who whom we can trust. And so we have seen these three Ps. Particularize, get clear in your mind, cogitate, pray while you're doing that. David did. Help me understand my anxious thoughts, Lord. Help me order them, write them down. Be aware that God is in the middle of your worries. He's with you, he cares, he knows, he understands, he's sovereign. And then pray with thanksgiving and cast your anxieties on him. Please understand that I hope you're not thinking that I'm throwing these three Ps out like a doctor who says, take these three pills and call me in the morning. <laughs> no. Sometimes we treat people like that, don't we? We throw the law at them. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Come on, pull yourself together. No, anxiety and worry can be a very 
deep-seated habit of thinking, developed over a whole lifetime maybe, and it can take time and much hard work at implementing these three Ps. And you're going to have to come back to them over and over and over again. But they are God's powerful word, which penetrates to the very depths of our being and gives us solutions to life's real problems that bring hope to yourself, peace in your heart, and uh, most importantly, glory to God. If you can handle anxiety differently from your colleagues at work, what a witness to Christ's grace in your life. May God enable us all to do so. Let's pray. Father, as each heart is bowed before you here this evening and online, wherever you may be, thank you so much that you know our needs, that you care intimately for your children. You are our Father. And these very trials and anxieties that plague us are from your loving hand to enable us to cast ourselves in weakness upon you that we may trust you more. So we pray that by your spirit you would help us in dealing with anxiety differently from those in the world. For your name's sake, amen.